Hi, I'm Leona from Between the Lions, and you're listening to a podcast where nostalgia comes alive. It's Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. Keep being wild about reading and enjoy the show. Roll it! Welcome to Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, the podcast where nostalgia comes alive. Since July of 2021, Jake and his friends have interviewed professionals in the worlds of acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, and many more. Who will they be chatting with in this week's interview? Find out in this Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, when nostalgia comes alive. Happy to have you here with us today. I am a, I'm your host, Jake Duffenbaugh. I'm with today as always, our co-host, Chris Bixby, and Matt Bingo with his pal, Maury Monster. How you guys doing? Hello. Hi, we're doing, doing good. good. Hello, everybody. Yes, how are you doing, Jake? I'm doing great as always. Marty, what do we have for today? Today's guest is a puppeteer. He puppeteered Tigger in the Disney's Winnie the Pooh, the new musical adaptation in New York City, uh, made by the same people at Sesame Street the Musical, Rockefeller Productions. We'll get to that. He's also done some puppeteering for the Emmy-nominated PBS kids show Don Quixote and is now a Sesame Street puppeteer. What an honor. Here he is, Mr. Sebastiano Ritchie. Welcome. How you doing? Hey everybody! So good to see you. Thanks for for having me on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Pleasure. Happy, happy pleasure. to have you here. Very yes. happy to have you here. So, well, already, I have a friend that looks very similar to you in a in a bin somewhere in my workshop. Do you really? Oh, nice! Oh, that's wow, cool. that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> you know, I, 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 that's that's really cool. That's that's really cool. Uh, so. We know who you are, but for those that don't, in your own words, would you care to introduce yourself a little bit? Oh, sure. Uh, hello, world. I am Sebastiano Ricci. I'm a New York-based puppeteer, puppet builder. Um, you, you pretty much said it all in the intro. I, I worked on Disney's Winnie the Pooh. I worked on Sesame Street. I like long walks on the beach. I like candlelit dinners. I don't know how much time you have. I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> So what was your background like and how did you grow up? Uh, So I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up in Staten Island. Um, My dad was a Japanese martial arts instructor. He had a a dojo in Chinatown. And my mom actually worked in television. She was a stage manager uh, for NBC. She did work on a lot of soap operas in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I guess it's kind of in my blood to to be working in in television. Uh, So I was kind of surrounded by that growing up. Ah, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So as a puppeteer, is that always what you aspire to become? Um, For the most part, yeah, which is, I guess, kind of rare to know what you want to do at such a young age. I In kindergarten, I know I had a phase where I, I said I really wanted to work at Carvel Ice Cream and I wanted to be one of their cake decorators. Uh, I wanted to be, because this was before nice. they had the... They had the, now they have the printable edible paper that they print all the characters on, but right. um, mm-hmm. before that they actually had artists come in and they would draw the characters on with like this edible jelly. Um, but I cannot draw two D to save my life, so that's I'm um, glad that didn't work out. <laughs> uh, at a very young age, I knew that I wanted to work in television, and I knew that I wanted to puppets. So I'm super fortunate that I get to live my childhood dream. Oh, oh, wonderful! So, Fantastic. so now, who are some of your biggest puppetry influences? 
Uh, let's see. I mean, obviously, everybody, I'm sure, would say Jim Henson because he kind of revolutionized yes. the mm-hmm. style of puppetry. Oh, yeah. Um, so many other people. Uh, Sherry Lewis is a big one for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, well, yeah, we, yeah we, actually, we actually previously interviewed Mallory Lewis. Yeah. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, on. Very, very cool. When I was little, my mom uh, bought me the box set of The Sherry Show, which was oh, wow. kind of has oh. a similar vibe to the Muppet Show, where it's all of Sherry's characters running a TV station. Um, mm-hmm. so that was a big influence. Um, I think the duo uh, of David Joyner and Bob West, who are the people behind Barney, David yes. Joyner doing the yes. and Bob writing the voice, uh, was a big influence as well. Oh, yes. Um, just, the way that David moves that puppet is just insane. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. I don't know how he does it. I don't, I don't know how he's not, like, severely hurt from how heavy that thing was. Um, I know, right? especially doing like all those three sixties and everything. Uh, the yeah, bell kicks right? and everything. It's yeah, right. The thing's, the thing's heavy. It's not light. Uh, no, a lot of metal no. pieces. Crazy. Um, so them two, and of course Carol Spinney, who's again another phenomenal yes. uh, body oh, yeah. puppeteer. Um, just and all the all the original guys, all the original Muppet guys. But um, yeah, and then I guess in terms of building, because I also uh, build from time to time. Don Celine's a big one. Um, Raleigh Crewson and Laura McLean, who I'm actually good friends with now. Um, nice. Pat Brimer, who built uh, most of Sherry's puppets. Pat Brimer built a lot of the Sherry Lewis uh, characters. Uh, and I love Waylon Flowers. His performance as Madam is just insane. Oh, and yes. her sculpt, the head sculpt, and just the way his puppets are built are just beautiful. So what, what are your, some of your favorite puppetry shows or projects growing up? Like to watch, I assume? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And of course, Sesame Street. Of course, uh, the Muppet Show. Um, I was a big Bear in the Big Blue House fan. Loved that. Yes, uh, amazing, wonderful, amazing day, show. I still think it's one of the best TV puppet shows to exist. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, yep. Uh, Barney and Friends, and the pre- and before that, Barney and the Backyard Gang, which was mm-hmm. the yeah. prior to the PBS show, I think is just really fun to watch. Um, I grew up in the in Gen Two area of Barney, where yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, so it's very nostalgic to watch that, and that's just like David and Bob in their prime. Absolutely, um, the Sherry Show. Yes. I loved the Sherry Show. Um, I watched Between the Lions, and I watched a lot. Yes. Of- oh, oh wow! Oh yes! Oh, wow! We yeah. actually, yeah, we previously oh. interviewed Pamela Sierra and Jan for Barnhart, so they're they're, oh. Oh, yeah, they're so the wonderful. They're they're so sweet. They're so really sweet, amazing. both of them. Yes. yes, both of them are. Can you hear that, folks? VHS tapes. Yeah, these. One of these. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of these. How do you, do you well, play music on the DVD of it? But how does that work? Do you put, does that like play music? How does that work? No, no, no. <laughs> um, it 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 plays like well, it well, plays audio, but also plays video as well. Interesting. Uh, does it like connect to your phone? I I gotta look into that. That's really no. <laughs> That, that, that'd no, be even it, cool it's though. Old school. Yeah. It would be cool. That's that's like old. That's like old. School. All right, all right, Jen. All right, all right. All right. Let's all right. Patent, patent, patent that uh, VHS to your phone. That would be interesting. Yeah. yeah, that would be interesting. That I think about it. Yeah, yeah would be long shot, long shot. So yeah. as a as a kid, were there any Muppets that you say were, I guess, the most fascinated by? Hmm. Uh, I I guess the more and more I learned about Big Bird and how Big Bird was operated, it, I think that I grew like a really strong respect for 
for Carol and just, I guess, full body puppetry. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, learning about big bird and I'm learning how, uh, okay, you're in a suit. Okay. But it's probably not that bad. No, your hands up in the air holding 30 pounds. Okay. That's crazy. But there's probably like a hole for you to see, right? Nope. You can't see through it. You have to look through it. A tiny little cube strapped to your chest. Okay. Well, at least you can see that, but it's not your vision. It's what the camera sees and the camera's reverse. So everything you see is in reverse. I'm like, okay, this is really hard. Plus you're also roller skating and you're memorizing lines and singing and not sounding out of breath and not tripping. And it's just more and more things getting added on. I'm like, this doesn't feel like a thing anyone can do, but clearly uh, it was done amazingly well. And it, I, it blew my mind. Um, and then not, not a Muppet, but uh, I was always super interested in how Barney operated. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I was at a young age. I, for the most part, I was able to know. I could understand that these are puppets. People are controlling them. I can look at Barney or Big Bird and be like, "Yep, you can see that there's an outline of a person in there somehow." But uh, it didn't didn't you know take away from the show for me personally. But I was just always intrigued as to how Barney's mouth moved. There, you you can see both yeah. hands are are moving. Uh, they're live hands. So what's happening with the mouth? Uh, and it wasn't until years later that I saw on the internet, because at the time the internet was still somewhat fairly new, yeah. uh, that somebody finally posted that, hey, you know, there's a bar that somebody bites down on. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. their head yeah. Down, which, that's that's crazy. I know. That is like, crazy. Like, what? But, um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, at the time, there wasn't really much information out there behind the scenes of, of that show. Um, but now it turned out it's just... Like, now it's everywhere, of course. But yeah. it, it turns out that the person that posted that happened to be my my friend Sedwan Hooks. Oh uh, yeah, he was the one. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, so yeah, now years later we're all we're super close. So I think that's pretty funny. Oh, uh, oh that's cool. Nice. Yeah, awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're also big into Barney fans too. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. So now, how did your love of puppetry kind of transition into getting a career in puppetry? Hmm. Well, uh, let's see. I think again, the more and more that I learned about puppetry and what it, what being a puppeteer meant and what you had to do, what it entailed, I realized that it just doesn't sound like work. It just sounds like a fun thing to do, but it is, but people actually made a living doing it. And I was like, well, this sounds way more fun than I guess sitting, you know, behind a desk for the rest of my life. Uh, so just finding out that, Hey, people are just having fun. They're just having fun. That's all it is. Uh, right. It was very, very appealing to me. Um, and I was fortunate to, to actually get to know Carol and, and Debbie Spinney. Uh, my stepdad knew uh, or met Carol and Debbie at an event and then talked about me. And then I got to know, I got to meet them a, a bunch and get to, you know, talk to them. We had like a secret uh, handshake type thing where we would Every time oh. we see each other, we would we would tap our noses like this, which is oh. uh, it's a reference to the Sting with, with Paul Newman. Oh yeah, uh, uh-huh. where you would tap, you would tap your nose with people that were in the know. Uh, so that was just so special, getting to know them and and for Carol to kind of like just tell me his story over the years and tell me you know why he loves what he did, how he got to Sesame Street, and uh, you know it, that really opened my eyes to this is something that's that's possible it's not just you know a far away dream this is actually something right. that could happen Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so i'm kind of curious what were your you know first 
puppeteering job was? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I know what my first job was. I can think I like I know I had a YouTube channel where I used to uh, put out a lot of puppet content. And then in high school, I worked in this pro this program called Kids on the Block. It was very short lived because not a lot of people in my high school wanted to do it. Uh, but it was a really beautiful program where you would bring puppets into classrooms and elementary schools and you would teach about disabilities and you would teach about, you know, uh, self-care and, and respect for one another. And it was a really beautiful program uh, that we did. Um, but a lot of a lot of YouTube stuff. And then I worked with uh, friends on their own channels doing videos for them as well. Um, nice. So you got to work at the Jim Henson Company for a time, working in puppet construction and fabrication. Right. What what goes into fabrication? First off, uh, what goes into fabrication? Well, fabrication. There's a lot of different steps when you're you're building, uh, at least I guess a television style puppet. And working at you know the Henson Company and other puppet shops. There's no really one way to do it, which is something I learned. Uh, there, you know, you can construct a puppet in so many different ways, but it is a lot about having a set design, uh, a, a, a design set to the puppet, and uh, and having the right materials and having the right mindset and no, of knowing how to take something that's flat in two D and and putting it into the three D uh, world, which is not something everyone can do. Um, it's it's rather difficult. It's interesting how some people can do 3D stuff like that, but might not necessarily be able to do 2D stuff, which is me. I can't draw at all, <laughs> but um, I am lucky enough that I can I can convert you know 2D things into 3D. Nice, very nice, yeah. very nice. Working at Henson mm-hmm. Company was a blast. Learned learned a lot working there. It was a it was an internship while I was in college. Hmm. Um, and I got to do a lot of fun things like uh, sorting big bird feathers and gra- grading them based off of how nice they looked, because that's where they know uh, where, where they judge where to place the feathers. So the really, really nice big bird feathers will be like on the front. And then I guess the mm-hmm. ones that don't look as nice would go on the lower part or the, in the back, um, just doing stuff like that and getting to unbox and and uh, pack up puppets that are going to international co-productions of Sesame Street was super cool. Hmm. Um, so getting to see characters that you normally wouldn't see in america because they all go through henson for refurbishments and stuff like that right mm-hmm. and you also worked as a puppet builder and regular at rockefeller productions what was that like right that's right that was uh that was right out of college i was so fortunate uh that my buddy john cody gave me a a call and said hey you know we're we're building puppets for this secret show um, I can't tell you what it is yet, but uh, if you'd like to come on, it'd be it would be great. It would be full time. And I was fresh out of college. This was uh, this was like right during the beginning of COVID, where nobody knew what was going to happen. Who knew what if what jobs would be available? Uh, so I was super super fortunate that I was able to to work with him on that. Um, and it started just building the puppets for the show. Um, and then eventually once the show got on its feet and it, they cast it, that's when they started looking for wranglers and, uh, just being around the puppets so much and knowing how they were constructed because I was on the team that constructed them. It just made sense that I would be the, the puppet doctor, uh, on set or on stage. Nice. Um, Nice. And speaking of on stage, uh, like Marty mentioned in your introduction, you, uh, performed Tigger off-Broadway in Winnie the Pooh, the new musical adaptation. What, can you talk about kind of like what the uh, the process was like of kind of 
starting to work on that? Yeah. Um, well, it's, I guess it started with uh, being a builder there. And uh, what's funny is I never in a million years wanted to do live theater. That was not something that was on my radar. I have stage fright. Um, I was like, I don't want to be on a stage. I never did theater in high school. I didn't do it in college. I've never been in a theatrical show. I would even, I would like get nervous uh, going up in like a symphonic band to play music on a stage. Like that stuff freaked me out. So I was like, there's no way I could know lines and sing songs and, and be on a stage in front of people. It was so, so not what I wanted. Um, but while I was working there, I was talking to uh, Krista Robbins, who is one of the producers and just came, it just came up like, Hey, you know, do you, would you guys ever audition any of the, the people that are in the shop, any of the builders? And she said, yeah, yeah, we would do that. And it was more so just to see what it's like to audition. Cause I really didn't have a lot of auditions under my belt just to, to know like what it feels like to, to be in the audition room. You know, it was, it was kind of very, it felt very low stakes. Cause it, I was like, I've never I have no experience doing theater. There's no way they're going to cast me. And then I went through the, the process, went through the, I got called back and then somehow I got cast in the show with no, in, a, in an off Broadway new musical without any theater experience. Uh, the imposter syndrome was very real uh, during that uh, first run. Uh, but I've been lucky enough to be able to travel with the show to Chicago and then travel back uh, for another round off Broadway. So I was able to get more comfortable. Um, yeah, so super, super, super lucky that uh, I had that portion of my life. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. That's great. So... I'm I'm curious overall. How did it feel getting to perform in a musical adaptation of such a long-lasting franchise like Winnie the Pooh? I mean, it like it hits heavy. You know, Winnie the Pooh is is one of those uh, franchises that has been around for so long that there's like more so than Sesame Street. There's so many generations of people that grew up with Winnie the Pooh in so oh, yeah. many different you know different different ways. So we had. Uh, we had, you know, we had little, little tiny kids who were watching it for the very first time. Uh, and then we have parents that grew up watching, you know, the, the animated show from, from the eighties. And then we had like, we had like grandmothers coming up with their tattered old Winnie the Pooh plush. That's like, God knows how old. Doesn't, doesn't look anything like Pooh, but this is, they grew up with uh, Pooh as well. So it was just beautiful to, um, to get to see such a variety of, of, uh, people in that audience and I always everyone that I talk to that whenever we talk about the show I always say my favorite part of the show is the after show hmm. um, so getting to do the, the VIP experience which is where and that was so much fun because that was our chance to to you know not only improv with these characters that are, are so meaningful to us but also get to hear people's stories um yeah. of what who is so important to them you know why why they you know mm -hmm. helped them through a hard time or they you know watch winnie the pooh while they were you know stuck in the hospital like things like that uh really really got us and it just shows you how powerful uh, characters that are around for this long how powerful they can be um so it was Absolutely. super super special Aww. super super special Aww. and i enjoyed i watched a lot of book of pooh growing up so it was also just fun to uh oh. yeah yeah uh-huh and it's characters 
Yeah, definitely. Awesome series, by the way. So. Yes. Oh yeah, that would that should have been on uh, answered in the other question. That's another show I loved growing up. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, same. Me too. I watched that show a lot growing Book up as well. Oh yeah. And the it's music now, now, now to see plus. Oh yeah, so. the music music's amazing on that it's show. Great. Yeah. Yes. That's what I love about that and and Bear because it's the same. Uh, yes. Same. Creator. The music is uh, just yeah, Mitchell so Quickman. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's just the music is so so good. Yes, definitely. Yes. So I'm kind of curious. Um, how long did it take to learn all the Winnie the Pooh songs? You know, for the like, for the flyway. You know, in, interesting enough, interestingly enough, I don't, I don't think it took a whole lot of time because the songs, luckily for us, were were relatively simple. Um, I think for me, learning multiple tracks of the show, so I, I played Tigger, but I also played Eeyore, Rabbit, and Owl. Um, so just knowing multiple tracks at the same time, I think that's where it got probably more time consuming and I guess more difficult juggling uh, different roles in the show but once you start doing them it kind of just comes second nature and then you just got to a point where you don't think about it and it's just oh i'm standing in this spot so i know what i have what i have to say when i'm in this spot and what i have to do it kind of just becomes second nature which is uh which is great because i didn't know that going into it and i was very nervous about uh, memorizing that much um but didn't didn't take as long as as i thought just rep- repetition repetition uh definitely yeah second nature. yeah yeah so you also do marionette puppetry at the Swedish Cottage Marionette Theater. Can right. you talk you a little research. bit about that? Yes, we do. Yes, yeah. We do. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, I went last year to 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 see my buddy Emmanuel Elpenord, who played Eeyore uh, off Broadway. Uh, he performs there, and I went to go see him do a show. And he took us backstage afterwards, and we just got to see how it was all done. And I just thought it was absolutely amazing. Uh, marionettes are very, very intimidating, uh, especially for a lot of people that are doing like television-style puppets because it's so different. It's like it's indirect manipulation mm-hmm. where you don't actually directly move uh, parts of the puppet. You have string that uh, that is in your way, um, so it's it's not something that a lot of uh, people in my form of puppetry tend to to try out um but i said you know if there ever comes the time where they're looking for more puppeteers i'm totally willing to at least give it a try and uh, a couple months later uh emmanuel texted me and he said hey they're they're looking for a couple of puppeteers and i auditioned and they told us that you know there's a five-week training with uh bruce cannon who is the artistic director of theater and uh he he taught me you know everything that i know about uh, performing marionettes and now I, i'm i'm there quite often and i i'm doing some pretty awesome. heavy marionette tracks it's just it's so much fun it is, it really is a lot of fun i would recommend and anybody who's doing a style of puppetry or just a style of uh, of art in general i think it would be be really really beneficial to branch out and try out some other styles that you know might have some things in common but also have a lot of differences. There was a lot I had to drop in terms of what I know about uh, puppetry coming from television that didn't necessarily work for marionettes. But then there's also a few things that still um, that still line up. So I think it's very beneficial, makes you a very well-rounded performer. And it's just great to have more stuff like that in your tool belt because you never know Absolutely. when you're going to need it. Right. Right. So, and a lot I'll, of big names, a lot of big names came out of uh, the Swedish Cottage. Uh, Eric Jacobson worked there for a while. 
Oh, wow. nice. Wow. Nice. Wow. Awesome. Eric's so wonderful. Fun. Yeah, I love Eric. Great. Yeah, he's lovely. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. now moving on to some of your TV puppetry, we also mentioned a bit in your intro working on a Don Quixote. And for those watching or listening who don't who haven't seen the show Don Quixote, um, a few of those characters are based off of uh, characters from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And the show Don Quixote that's on PBS was created by the wonderful David Rudman and Adam Rudman. So, so for you, for you, mm -hmm. what was it like working on Don Quixote? Oh man, it was that was my first time on a on like a real uh, set, a real TV set. Um, and funny enough, I got the call uh, for Donkey from Spiffy twenty minutes prior to getting my call that I got cast as in the Winnie the Pooh show. It was literally within a half hour span. What? Wow. What? Wow. It, was quite, it was quite a day. What? Wow. That must have been a, that, that must have, that must have been a surreal kind of day for you. Roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> Very much so. I was literally working at uh, the puppet shop building puppets, uh, and then I get these two calls back to back, and I'm like, "This is cr a year ago. I would not be expecting any of this to be to be happening." You know. Um, so I'm just beyond blessed and, and fortunate that uh, that I've been this lucky. But literally, it, within a 20-minute span, I got a call that they wanted a, a set of hands on the, the Don Quixote Halloween special uh, that aired last year. Oh, oh I love that special. Yes. It's it's a fantastic special. special. And what an organized set. They have, You walk in yes. and there's just a giant wall with a giant storyboard with every single shot la laid out. Uh, so everybody on set is on the same page of where we're shooting. We do a big cross through uh, as we go throughout the day, which shots are done. So we know what's left. And I was just like, this is so organized. I love this. And we were always uh, on top of things. Um, this, this, the, the crew members and the cast are so kind and so talented. Uh, Haley yes. and, and Frank, so freaking Frankie, funny. Uh... Yes, Stephanie. Yeah, lots of wonderful of people on that show. Yeah, and I was yeah. also super fortunate that uh, I got to work with two pen pals of mine, uh, Frank Cesario and Mel Campbell, who are also puppeteers on the show. And Frank is the Wrangler uh, as well. And we nice. were, we were all friends through the internet uh, because we all had YouTube channels when we were younger, doing puppet content. Uh, so we became we all became buddies when we were younger, and now getting to work on a pbs show together is just I know. like wow insane oh. i know like that's the amazing. same day you got those calls and i'm like i'm doing i'm doing those like what what's going what's on what's happening what? right now yeah, yeah. What? crazy it's like yeah. did, they, did they did they call the right person is this right i don't know <laughs> i know uh, yeah but like, did, did you actually call me like, like what <laughs> in, in in just the ha last half hour literally it was like 20 something minutes and i was like guys there's another phone call coming in it was it was <laughs> wow wow yeah it's so, an amazing show yes certainly an amazing show wonderful show oh, yeah and then, it's and beautiful it's the, yes and the, the halloween special as we said was amazing too mm -hmm. oh yes. yes such a such a, a fun, fun a lot of fun watching it was amazing yes the whole that whole season was amazing, yeah. That whole first <laughs> season beautiful... was just... Oh yeah, yeah. First season is fantastic, and just a beautiful show to watch. Um, yes. Because all just about all of the sets there are practical. They do very little 
uh, green screen. So if you if you watch the show, yeah, you see all the uh, yeah, I can see that background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most mm-hmm. of the soundstage is this is the background. So like this much here is is all layers and layers and layers of hills and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we have this tiny little section right here to perform in. So most of that soundstage is all set and it's all practical and it's just absolutely beautiful. And uh, I hope it goes for 50,000 seasons because it's so... <laughs> we hope so too. Yeah. Yes, me too. Yeah. We hope so. Can I wait for the next well. season? Yeah. Very absolutely. excited for season two. Uh, so most recently, you've become one of the newest puppeteers over at Sesame Street. That's how, right. did you, how did you begin working for them? Uh, so I, it probably stems back to about 2018, uh, where I auditioned for one of their puppeteer workshops, um, and I got in. And it uh, and it's essentially their way of of teaching you how to puppeteer the way a Sesame Puppeteer does. Uh, and I guess you you know there it's not an audition or anything. There's no guaranteed work, which they make sure to tell you. Uh, but it is you know they're 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 always scouting to look for new people, uh, just to have people on their radar. Uh, you know, to see how you are as a performer and how you are as a person. Um, and then uh, last year, a little over a year ago, uh, uh, when was it? Time is meaningless now. I have no clue uh, exactly when it was. But it was sometime 2021, late 2021. And uh, I got a call and it said Robinson, comma Martin. And I'm like, who the hell is Robinson? Who is this calling me? I don't know. And then it clicked. I was like, oh my goodness, it's Marty. Uh, so I answered the phone. <laughs> like, oh my God. He's backwards. And I'm like, wait, I don't know any Robinsons. Um, <laughs> and he pretty much called. And uh, he was telling me that, you know, we're starting, we're graduating uh, the first group of, of Sesame Street mentees. Uh, and we're looking for the next class. And uh, he wanted me to be a part of that, which is just incredible. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, uh, Sesame Street has a program called the Puppeteer Mentorship Program, and it's about bringing in young puppeteers uh, to have them come in and work, um, but kind of being taken under the wing of, of some of the, the main Muppet guys and showing us how to puppeteer the way they do it and uh, kind of forming the next generation of Muppet performers. Um, so I'm in that with, what, I think, 10 other, 10 other uh, puppeteers. Uh, and yeah, so I am now one of those mentees that get to work uh, at Sesame. And it is a dream come true. It is a, it's so much fun. Uh, everybody's so kind and so talented. And I would not trade it for anything in the world. Uh, we, can, we can definitely attest to the, uh, uh, how down to earth the, uh, that's better. <laughs> Camera froze for a second there. We can, we can attest to how down to earth the, uh, Sesame people are because we've had quite a few of them on uh, on our yeah, show. Yeah. Uh, oh yes. Let's, so let's, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Recently, we had uh, this. This will be up by the time this airs. Uh, we had Leslie Carrera Rudolph, who's just the sweetest. She we had uh, uh, God. There's so many Carmen Osbar we had on. Uh, mm. uh, Ryan. Ryan. We had on. Uh, da, 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 da. who was Kathleen Kim? One of the newer ones. Yes. Yeah, Kathleen. Had, like, oh, she's the earlier Jennifer Barnhart. Um, Jennifer Barnhart. Yeah, we've had her on. Oh Marty gosh. Robinson. Marty Robinson. You just mentioned he's a previous guest, and actually, it's funny. Uh, if you folks remember our episode with Annie Evans, his wife, 
uh he actually made a cameo appearance yeah yes, he did, <laughs> yes, he did. And, and it's funny he was like oh these guys mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's pretty cool that he remembered us though oh yeah that that was really cool that he remembered us <laughs> amazing that sounds yeah. like party that sounds like yep. party yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they they've had Tyler Bunch on before before Matt started the show before I came in. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Cool. Tyler's just, amazing. Just oh, yeah. just so just and all of them are just so down to earth. They are just some of the some of the most genuine, amazing people that we have ever had on in the history yeah. of the show ever. Definitely. So kind, and the fact that I can call them my friends and my coworkers is super super special. Oh, yeah. Especially because you have to work so closely with everybody, like literally. Yeah. Literally, you're, you're, mm-hmm. as an assist, you're usually stuck in a puppeteer's armpit. That's you know, yeah. that's yeah. the nature of yeah. the job. Yeah. Uh, so you just pray, you pray everyone wears their deodorant, and uh, you're good. To go. <laughs> yeah, it's, they're all very good about. They're all very good about. That's that's good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but no, it's truly a dream, uh, a dream come true because it's what I wanted to do when I was a kid and. It's something that you, are. you know feels yeah. so far away. It feels like it's you know how the heck could that happen? But yeah. uh, have, you, have you ever had moments where where or like uh, pinch me moments? Like is am I really dreaming? Like is this, <laughs> do I uh, like you were mentioning imposter syndrome earlier? Like I, I'm sure you've had plenty of those on Sesame. It's like do I, do I really belong here? Like is, is, is am I, mean, I actually it's... here? It's not something. It's not something that just goes away. It's not something that just uh, stops happening. You know, people that are there for years and years and years still have it. You know, you, you're sitting there and you're like, did they make the right call? Or they did they have they put the wrong phone number in? Because uh, it just feels like, boom, it just happened. And you're like, wait, is this is this where I'm supposed to be? So you have moments of, is this correct? But then you also have the moments where you you just feel so at home and you just know that this is where you're supposed to be um, and that you wouldn't uh, want to be anywhere else you know marty marty always said uh that if you can envision yourself doing something else then puppetry is not for you if there's there's moments where you're sick of looking at puppets or you don't want you're, you're sick of puppets this isn't for you this is you know this is a full-time full-time thing being a puppeteer um and i don't have those feelings so i know that this is where i need to be uh, sure and i and i know uh somebody brought it up uh i think of some previous guests i can't remember who but i i know that c- even celebrities have felt that same yeah, way yeah of being yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah yeah i remember that uh-huh. yeah. yeah yeah i don't yeah. i don't i don't remember names of who people have brought up that have been like am i really here oh i know, I know one i know yeah. one that comes to mind tracy uh-huh. chapman oh yeah yeah i, I forgot uh-huh. I forgot who had brought it, but Tracy Chapman felt yeah. that way too. Uh, yeah. just celebrities. So it's so nostalgic for so many people. It's similar to yeah. Tony the Pooh. Multiple <laughs> yeah. generations grew up watching Sesame Street, so they they step foot on the set and they're like, "Whoa, I feel I feel home. I feel nostalgic." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did we yep. did mention we did mention uh, Rockefeller. We did go see Sesame Street the Musical last fall. Well, Matt did. Oh, very I cool. Did. It was it was an incredible show, and I will be honest, I I got a bit teary eyed seeing those characters, such iconic characters, up close and personal. Like it got me a little teary eyed. It made That's me right. feel nostalgic. Like, did you actually take a picture with the honkers? I did, I did, and that 
I'm I'm not gonna lie, I got emotional like that. That's a dream come true for me. Now he just now he awesome. just needs to now he just needs to visit the set assessment machine. His bucket list will be complete. I'm not so sure about that. You never know. COVID you never is very, know. very strict right now with uh, with guests, but yeah, you never know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was. From what I heard, it was amazing. It was actually my first time in New York, and it won't be the last. Nope. New York. Very cool. First time Very in New cool. York last fall, uh, and it definitely won't be the last. Nope. Hmm. That's right. <laughs> right. Definitely. So, can you share anything yet that you've worked on with Sesame? Um. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I get. I'm. You know, usually called in as like an assist puppeteer, so I'll be doing a lot of right hands for people. Um, I was called in a couple days for the last season uh, that we just shot. We just shot season 54. Oh, um, nice. That's, that's right. Uh, we have a spinoff show on HBO Max, uh, or I guess it's just called Max now. Um, mm. Max, my Sesame Street friends. Um, and it's like, it's like repackaged yeah. clips from the show, but there's new uh, wraparound bits. Um, and I'm doing some assist work there with Cookie and Grover, and I'm also like a, I'm a talking uh, talking banana, um, and I am <laughs> a dog, and I'm a, this little bird uh, that's in a birdhouse. So like you know, small stuff uh, uh, from time to time. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be in the Macy's Parade, and fortunate enough to be in a Super Bowl ad. Um, oh yeah! Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah! Oh my God! Yes, right. You were right-handed uh, Cookie Monster, right? Right. Yeah, I was. I was his right hand. I I thought so. Nice. Oh wow, that's that's amazing. That was right. super cool. That was super super cool. Yeah, and uh, speaking and of, the... oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I also worked at uh, Thirty Rock recently on a quick little thing, which is super cool because oh. we were on oh. we were on the gym floor, uh, which was neat. So his sound stage was on one side, and then we were on the other. So, so speaking of the Macy's parade, what was it like? What was that experience like getting to get to perform in the parade? Uh, I was like, great, I can die happy now. Thanks, everybody. Uh, it was so, <laughs> it was it was really really fun because when you do when you when you do you know a lot of like the YouTube shoots, uh, like the, not not the full season, but like YouTube shoots are you know mm -hmm. this day you work with a couple of performers. And then, you know, next time you called in, you maybe you're working with two or three different performers. And then here you're working with a couple. But at the Macy's Parade, it's everybody. It felt like a family reunion because it's all the puppeteers coming together uh, to do it. So it was so much fun. It's incredibly surreal because it is, since I was a kid, it was like, that's that's the thing I want to do. I want to, I want to, you know, be in the Macy's Parade. I want to see what it looks like inside of that float. Um, and I was, it, it was just, it was a grand old time. Uh, getting to peek <laughs> out, see thousands and thousands and thousands of people like just screaming the characters' names is just crazy. I, I, it's like it's hard to explain words because you, yeah, you just you look back and you see like thousands of people to the point where you just it just keeps going and you can't see anymore. It's like yeah. out of a movie. When do you see a crowd that big? Uh, especially you know now just during COVID, you, you don't expect to see so many people and it's just continuous i know and you got and to do it, cookie it, monster which is which yeah. i can imagine because you weren't yeah, right yeah. Hand, right handing or anything you actually got to put on the puppet that's right i mean i was holding him up for for david yeah. rudman who plays right the i don't yes. play right right yeah uh, it was super cool to to be holding him up uh for everybody 
I know. Definitely. Now, now, one, speaking of the Macy Parade, we brought this up on previous episodes. One thing that's very confusing is the monitor delay. Oh yeah, yes. that monitor delay. Yes. The <laughs> that for those who don't know, there's like a um. I know some guests have brought it up. There's like a a five. I think it's like a uh, it's either like a five or seven second delay from the monitors that they see to what you folks see at home. So you may as well just forget about looking at the monitors when you're on 34th Street. Yeah. Uh, there, were some, there were some moments where we were like, okay, I think it might just be best to look live for quick moments. You need to know when you can do that. Yeah. Uh, there are moments for close-ups. If you don't, but, um, uh, yeah. it's really going to throw <laughs> right. it off. Right. But um, it, all, it was also interesting that the monitors were such, they were just such low quality. You know, when you're working on set, everything's plugged in and, you, and you're, you're connected to Wi-Fi and all this stuff that I guess makes it super crisp and clean and no delay. But it was very fuzzy and especially the big wide shot where it's showing the entire float and all the puppets. Mm-hmm. You can barely see Big Bird. You know, there's no way I'm going to see, you know, these are characters in these tiny little windows. Uh, so when they did the close-up shots, it definitely helped. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a uh, the delay is is something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we heard. So yes. we heard. So s- some other projects you worked on as a puppeteer include Quickie and Baby Cult. That's right. Can you kind of can you kind of describe what they are for those who don't know and kind of talk a bit about those? Uh, so th- those were fun. Those were some short films that I did uh, with my with my buddy Tal Bennett. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, great guy. He's fantastic. Um, uh, so it, it was funny because the the uh, baby cult was for a different uh, production company that we were just both hired to to work on, um, and we were working with Rachel Sennett. I don't know if you guys know Rachel Sennett. She's a pretty popular comedian right now, but I think this was while she was still in college, so she wasn't. I guess she didn't blow up yet. Hmm. Um, that was a ton of fun, um, and then Quickie was something we filmed for BIMP, which is the Ballard Institute Museum of Puppetry at UConn. Uh, so they have a little puppetry center. Uh, and we were, we were filming this, this short film for an exhibit that was happening there. And it was fun because it really was just like us with a camera, you know, it was a couple of us putting up, putting up a camera on a tripod and going. It just kind of, it was very down and dirty, like uh, like our YouTube channels when we would be making videos. It was it just, it was us, there was no crew. Um, and it's just it's just fun, you know, just pure fun, just having a good time with your friends. Uh, yeah, of course. So now, aside from performing puppets, you mentioned you also build your own puppets as well. Can you kind of talk about some of your puppet building work? Yeah, sure. Uh, so for a while, I didn't build at all. All my all my friends uh, that also you know made videos online all built their own puppets, and I was just too nervous. I'm like, I don't. Think I I don't know if I have what it takes to to do this. So for years I'm watching YouTube videos on on people building and I'm learning, but I'm not like applying it anywhere. I'm just kind of like I'm listening to it and then it just sits there. Um, and then when college started, I was like, you know what? I just need to bite the bullet. I need to try it and see what happens. Um, and it, it worked. I, I watched a lot of puppetry videos. James Kemp was a uh, was somebody I watched religiously uh, for his puppet content. And I know Adam Krutinger now has a lot of really great in depth. Uh, puppet building videos for anyone that's looking to to learn um, but yeah I just took everything that I learned from watching James and and all these other youtubers and uh, and I was like okay it's not not half bad and uh, and it kind of just stemmed from there 
I think there is something really great about a puppeteer that also knows how to build. Um, I, I, knowing both ends of it, like vice versa, I think it's really beneficial for a builder to know the needs of a puppet, like what a puppet needs to do. Uh, I think it helps build a better puppet. And I think you have a better performance if you understand the ins and outs of your tool, of your puppet that you're you're working with. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm lucky that I, I, I'm able to know both sides of it and have a greater appreciation for both uh, because of that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. What would you like to say to those who have supported the projects you've worked on and kind of the people who have helped you achieve your kind of goal? Well, uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate everyone that's, you know, helped me along, along the way. Um, you know, I can't work in a vacuum. All my friends help me and all of, and then I help all of my friends. Um, so I couldn't do it without them. And, uh, and just, everyone that supports me you know that's what you need in order to succeed you know my 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 family and my friends uh i don't know what i would do without them so so thank you guys thank you yeah 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 of course of course so if people would like to connect with you where can people find you where can they find me uh they they can follow me on instagram if they wish at sebastiano ricci uh you can you can contact me on my website, sebastianoricci.com. Uh, those are probably the best spots if you if you want to reach me for anything. Uh, that's where you can, I guess, see what uh, what I'm up to next. Nice, yeah. awesome, Fantastic. awesome. Your website and your social media will be, will be in the description down below, so people can follow you and connect with you. Yes. Nice. Yes. And so this this last question we're going to uh, that Jakey's going to ask. We ask this to every every guest we've had on. Well, mostly every guest. Go ahead, Jakey. Yes. So, of course, this podcast is called Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. Hey, look at that. <laughs> so, when you think of nostalgia, what, in, your, in your own words, what do you think of or how would you define the word nostalgia? Hmm. Uh, I mean, nostalgia for me is always just that really warm feeling of being transported to a simpler time usually, you know, when you're younger. Um, so when I think of nostalgia, I'm thinking of my childhood house and like the very, like the specifics of it, the way it smelled and like the color of the carpet and the color of the walls and like the grain on the wood of the steps and the sound of the steps when you walk up and pr- thinking of those things, it transports you back immediately. Watching your favorite show that you grew up watching and, mm-hmm. you know, not remembering it because it's been so long since you've watched it, but then there's a tiny, tiny little piece of that show that you're like oh my god i remember that that's where that that was living in my brain and i couldn't think of it that's to me nostalgia um, it's just a, something that brings you back, back to a simpler time definitely oh, some great words on. well to all of our viewers and listeners thank you for tuning in to another episode of jake's happiness health show we absolutely enjoyed our time with sebastiano ricci yes thank you again it's been thank you again it's been an absolute bless of course yes, thank you so much and thank Thank you for, for what you're doing and keep up and what, what's what's next for you, especially yes. for Queen and Pooh in Australia. Absolutely. And what do we say, Jake? Sure. Keep nostalgia alive. We'll see you next time. More episodes. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show interview. Be sure to follow Jake and the crew on social media and stream the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye-bye.